Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. And uh, if you could open up your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 22, 36 through 40. Because we're going to start there. We're going to go to two other verses. So this is what it looks like when you have just about 60 ladies from the church missing. That explains the open chairs. And then, um, and of course, the, those who were married to some of those ladies and had kids, and they're like, they're just stuck in their house, just trying to make it. How many of you, how many of you guys have wives up there and you have kids and you've been solo this whole weekend? Raise your hand. Okay, congratulations. Well done. Well done, Steve. <laughs> we left them at home. They're not even here. Just left some crackers and some Cheez-Its and just, there's the water out of the faucet. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump into Matthew uh, chapter 22. Father, um, we surrender to you, and I ask that you would be the one that uh, teaches this morning, that you would be the messenger. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so this is a passage, if you don't know it, you need to know it, because, well, it's, Jesus said, it's the most important thing to know. Matthew 22, 36 through 40, it's in several places. And it's the greatest commandment. He's asked, if you could put that up, John, that'd be great. Um, Jesus asked, what is the greatest commandment? Which is another way to say, what's the most important thing? What should I be focusing on? And we talk about this all the time because why wouldn't we? If it's the most important thing, let's do it. Jesus said, here's the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if you were to strip everything else away, if you were to uncover, if you were to, uh, I'm thinking of all the synonyms that would go with that, to, to lay bare, what would be the core of this life? And it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. Now, when you... When you see that, it always threw me off. Okay, what's the most important thing? Love God and love others. And that's just kind of weird coming from Jesus, who is both man and God. So it's like saying, the most important thing you can do is love me. Like, if you ever say that to someone else, will you love me? It's like, that's kind of what you don't want to do. Like, why are you asking? It's just kind of weird. That's not what he, it, when we talk about loving God, how, what are you supposed to do with that? Well, that's why he said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. As you are loving your neighbor, you are loving God. And as you get to know how much God loves you, you're set free to love your neighbor. It's, it, it, you can't separate the two. Now, I, I warned you guys last week that, um, that I feel really awkward about talking about this whole, well, talking about myself. I'm, I'm not a big fan of talking about myself, which is weird when you're up teaching because to help people, you know, understand the scripture at times, your personal experiences can help, but I don't really like the spotlight on me. 
which is weird because literally right now I have the spotlights on me. But the leadership team and others said, this is helpful for me to talk about what our family recently went through and the, the lung transplant and, and the, the near death three different times and that whole experience um, because it's helpful. And so I'm going to continue doing that because it was such a significant time for us, but more importantly, because if it helps these scriptures to come alive, then I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll stand up here and dance in my underwear if that would work. But I think that, that me sharing that will be helpful in understanding this and where we're headed in these scriptures. Um, so when I woke up from the lung transplant, uh, at some point, it's kind of foggy what days were which, but um, Stephanie, my wife, walked in there and there's like this sadness on her face. And the, one of the nurse specialists came in that deal with lung transplants because they wanted to talk to me about how my life was going to be different now. And it was like, I know I'm living right now, and I don't think I'm near death, but you guys look like we're heading into a funeral. So I knew they were coming with bad news about how my life was going to be from here on out. And so Steph looked at the nurse, the nurse looked at her, and, and Steph goes, okay, I'll tell him. Boog, um, from this point on, you can never eat sushi again. And I looked at her, and I was like, and we're a big poke family, like we make it, we make the sushi, we do all that stuff. And then she goes, poor pokey. And I think she was actually watering up a little bit. <laughs> and I looked at her, I'm like, who cares? Like that's the point I was at. It was like stuff just got stripped away to the point where I'm like, who cares? <laughs> like that's nothing. Now if I'd been told that before, I would have been pretty bummed. Like you know how people always ask, oh, what's your favorite thing to eat? Boom, sushi. Okay, it would just, but at that point, like, talk about being stripped and bare and coming down to the core is like, who cares? And then she's like, kind of surprised. She goes, okay, well, so she went to the next thing. <laughs> they all start with S, it seemed like. She goes, well, I don't know if you're going to be able to surf again. I was like, what? No, I didn't say that because I was like, who cares? Now, actually, it turns out that that's probably not the case. We'll see where... But at the same point, it's like, it just doesn't, there was so much that I thought was important. It just isn't that important. It doesn't mean you can't love it. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. It doesn't mean it's bad. But I was like, who cares? Because so much had been stripped away. In fact, in the midst of that, um, they went through a list. They didn't really have much of a list after that. that was, those are the two big things. Um, but after that, just the stuff that had naturally just kind of stripped away and become less important, like finances. I mean, here we are in the hospital, and we know these medical bills, and she can't work now, and it was just like, who cares? Which is weird, because all of us are like, oh, there's never enough, and what if, I just didn't care, because it wasn't important, and I just realized, I'm like 40, well, at that point, 45, now I'm 46, and at that point, I was like, we've made it this far, so why should I, just all these things that seem so important started washing away. Uh, I thought about people in my life that I was still angry with and was having a hard time forgiving. And I'd say, I forgive them, but then I'd still like, that stuff just washed away. And it doesn't mean you forget and it doesn't hurt you, but it's like, it, so what? Really does it matter? All these things started disappearing and it came down to the core. And, I, and it was awesome. I mean, who gets that opportunity? It was like, um, I, I've heard, uh, there's a book called Halftime. So if you get to a certain age, uh, it's like halftime. Now you can make adjustments. 
So like if you play a sport and they have halftime, they take you into the, into the locker room or on the side of the field, and they're like, okay, this, these are the changes we need to make because we were doing this, we were doing that, so we're going to go back out in the second half and we're going to do it differently. We're going to keep doing this, but we're going to change this. I got that opportunity. You have that opportunity today to make adjustments, to step back and look at it, and hopefully through a little bit of the experience that I got to go through, it will help you. Um, and I know a lot of people have said, hey, I'm so excited for the things you're sharing because I really don't want to go through what you went through. But you know what? As we've talked about time and time again, it was a beautiful thing. It's not a bad thing. It's worth all of it. And there's definitely stuff that we're still dealing with. It's frustrating and painful, but it's all worth it. To have that opportunity, to have it stripped away and go, well, what's really important? And I knew it before. I knew it here in my head what was important. But to see it, everything else that was just peripheral, sanded away, then the stuff that was left was just so beautiful to look at. Obviously, and maybe not so as obvious to you, but for me, just my wife. Like, she's so much more beautiful than I imagined. And this new excitement of, like, with every minute that I have left, I can't wait to try to love her more. And I know I'm going to fail in different ways, but I'm going to get better at it because that's, that's important. That's what matters. And I thought about my kids, and I thought about one point when they were all around there, and they're staring at me, and I'm like, okay, this could be it. And I couldn't talk, and I had to look at them each and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. I had to mouth it because they couldn't hear the words because no words would come out because I had something shoved in my throat. And as I was telling him, and then I woke up later, you know, and they're talking about sushi and surfing, and I'm thinking, I can't wait to be this new dad. I can't wait to be more. Never perfect, but just more because that's what I want to do, and that's what's important. We talk about loving God and loving others. It starts there. And I thought about my family and my friends, and, and I got together with a few friends and talked with them and just said, you know, this has been really clarifying for me. Um, and then I thought, as we've talked about, I, I've got this time left here, and I can't wait to get to heaven. In fact, I don't know if Tyler did it on purpose, but that heaven song, this whole last year with the pain that I've had in my joints, which was just so excruciating, every time we sing that song, I would just go, I'd start crying because I was like, Lord, this sucks, <laughs> and this is so painful that if you want to take me home, I'm all in. Like, if you could take care of my wife and my kids, because this is ridiculous, and singing that song every time, I would just lose it. Part of the reason why I sit up there, so you can't see me crying. And yet now that that pain's gone, which who knows, it may come back, it may not, but going to heaven is like, whew, it's going to be all that and a bag of chips. But while we're here, like I'm so, more, so much more excited to spend time with people, to spend time with them and love them and be with them, just like waste time with people. Because that, when everything's stripped away, that's what's there. And so we all have that opportunity to step back and take a look at that. So when we talk about loving God and loving others, that is what's left. That's what's left. When I woke up, and I didn't, this verse didn't even come into my mind, but that's all that was left there. Not sushi. Not surfing, not all the other stuff, but that. So what does that look like then? What does it look like to love God and love others? And we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. So if you could open up to Philippians 2. So in your Bibles, if you go to the New Testament, it's like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then it's the Romans, Corinthians. And then you start getting into these letters. Um, these letters that Paul wrote to different churches. And this is one of the churches he wrote to, this church called Philippi. 
And uh, he was actually in jail when he's writing this letter to this little, little town of Philippi. Um, and so uh, I'm going to start here in verse 1. And he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Okay, and as always, when we read the Bible, we're like, um, wait, what, what did I just read? You know, you have to kind of read over and over again. Or you just keep reading and you go like however many words and you have no idea what you read, kind of like a normal book. So I'm going to slow us down. And so for this, for me, when, and, and I've shared this a few times in the past few weeks, when I, when I was going through that, and especially when the Lord and I had that conversation and basically like, okay, you're going back. I, you're going to be amazed when you come face to face with the Lord how much he loves you. It's not going to be him with the gavel. It's not going to be, oh, I mean, he is so in love with us. And I believe strongly the reason everything was stripped off was because his love is like sandpaper grit five billion. It just washes away all of that stuff that isn't of him because his love is that powerful. And so when, when we talk about having any encouragement from being united or any comfort from his love, I know that. And if you get to know Christ, if you get to know God, you will know that love. And you don't have to go, okay, I better go love God. You don't even have to try. I mean, it's the same way when I was, when I, through this whole experience, realizing how much Steph loved me. I was like, loving her is easy. I mean, since being back, just, it, it's just so much easier to love when you know you're loved. Verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. So he's telling the people of Philippi in verse 2 through 4, he's saying, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, like him, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. We as a community of faith got to experience that. I mean, that was probably one of the biggest gifts that we were given as a people through this whole beautiful ugly is that we got to actually see that happen with us where I've heard it time and time again where, where people have said, we're closer now. This is what it means to be a community of faith. If you're visiting or if you're, you've, you've been coming for a while but you're kind of on the outside and you haven't really met people and, and we get how that works, but God's intention is for us to actually know each other. Not all of us. I mean, how are you going to know everybody in this room and be close with everyone? But to have a crew of people that you walk with, that you know they're behind you and you're behind them, and you know that even with all the stuff you go through and all the dumb things you do to each other, because that's what we do, that you would still be united together intent on one purpose. And as a community of faith, we've been there. Now, with that, when you get that close, then you also hurt each other's feelings. That's just the way it works. In fact, um, you know, in this chaos, tons of us in, in crisis mode stepped all over each other trying to love. So people tried to step in to love and care for each other, but in doing that, they stepped on another person not realizing it, and another person got their, their feelings hurt, and it, just, and it happened all over. That's normal. That's how, welcome to a family. That's what happens. But in that, we're still being in one spirit and of one mind. 
and we do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And that, that verse right there, if you ever want to memorize that, that will help you so much on a daily basis. Because <laughs> at times when I'm really um, in this book of Philippians and I, I get across that verse, I get in the habit of going through it during the day. And I can see how I do so much out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. It's just what we do. But at least I'm aware of it. I'm like, oh, I better pull back from that. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now, we can read these verses and we can go through this and it not really be real. And so I want to interject reality into this. Like, what does that look like in humility to value others above yourself, to think of others as more important than you, to consider their interests above your own? Well, one of the things that happened for me, which was amazing, is that as I just said, you know what, I'm going to be more bold. Because, you know, you hear about, you know, when, when someone's near death or if they pass away, then, then the people that are close to that situation say, go and hug the people that are close to you now. Don't let another minute pass. I agree with that. However, we can do so much more than that. I mean, some of the most, I was on the other end of being loved. I had people, I basically got to go to my own funeral because, um, People were sending me texts, basically saying goodbye, because that's what the doctors were saying. That's what everybody else was saying. Um, and so I would get texts just saying, hey, this is how much you've meant to me. You know when you go to a funeral and people come up and they share? Well, I was getting all of those. And then on the GoFundMe page and then on my Facebook. And um, I had a few friends come and stand by the edge of the bed. And, and I'm like, are they saying goodbye? Like, is that what they're doing right now? And... Um, I had one friend leave me a voice message. I actually didn't hear it till later because, I mean, I wasn't like, hey, let me check my phone. So afterwards and after the transplant, I looked at this voicemail and it was like three and a half minutes long. And this guy, I mean, he doesn't even return phone calls. And when he texts, it's like just emojis. Like he doesn't say that much. And there's like a three-minute thing. And so I start playing it and it's him saying goodbye on, Jan on, on uh, New Year's Eve. I only made it a minute and a half through. And I saved it. And my whole plan was to go through it. You know, I'm like, I'm saving this and I'm going to go through it later. And dumb iPhone erased it. So I didn't get to the second half ever. But I got to hear his eulogy to me. Like, this guy doesn't ever cry and he's crying. I mean, I got to go through that. And in that, I had people telling me how important I was in their life. Let me just tell you, there's nothing more important you could do today than to tell people that. Not just go and hug them and hold them close, but just tell them. This is what you mean to me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I just made eye contact with someone, and uh, since we came back, she's like, we've got to go to breakfast, like to Steph and I. And usually when someone says, we need to get together, I'm like, oh, crap, what did we do wrong? You know, when someone says, we need to talk, you're like, oh, what did I do? Did I do this? Did I do? And we, we went to breakfast, and, and she just said, I didn't realize how important you guys were in my life, and I just want to tell you who you've been and how much I love you guys. And I was like, oh. Why don't we do that? Because we get distracted or we're afraid. So we can talk about in humility considering others more important than yourself and looking to their interests above your own. Well, then do it. 
Because I'll tell you, one of the greatest gifts I got was to have people tell me, hey, you matter, and this is why. Imagine if you were to, if, if I were to call you up right now and have everyone that knows you say something like that to you. One, you'd be like, I'm not doing that, because it hurts. <laughs> Weirdness to have that much love thrown at you. But it's beautiful. And you really, not only do you want it, you need it. And your friends and your family need that. And so much gets in the way of us getting to that. Let's keep going. I'll come, I'll come back to that in a second. Philippians 2.5. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind that Christ Jesus had. And we're going to look at that here in depth in John 1.14. But what he's saying is, is in the same way that you are with each other, think of how Christ was. Think of how Jesus was with his disciples, with us, and the way that he was, you need to be with each other. So he's setting the bar just a little bit high. And then he goes in to explain how Jesus did it. Verse 6, this is how Jesus lived. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. So the Son of God, God himself, chose to become a servant to us. That word, it's not a word we use too often. We don't like to use the word slave and servant. We're like, what's a servant? We don't really have any of those. It's like, it's like a caddy. If you were to play golf with someone that carries your bags for you and then gives you counsel and advice at different places, um, or like an assistant, if you were at a place where you could have an assistant that would come in and, I can't get to that, and they take, they're, they're like looking for those things that are going to slip through the cracks, and they step in. And so when we talk about loving and encouraging others, like we need that. And Jesus was, was that, and we're supposed to have that same attitude. And so in doing that, what that looks like is that we, we fill those gaps. We look at those that are near us, whether they're friends or enemies, and we step into that relationship to serve. And one of the reasons we don't is because we're worried how they're going to respond back. Now, we've talked about all the fluffy, nice things you're supposed to do for people. But probably one of the most loving things you can do for someone is tell them the truth. You know what I mean? So I talked about being more bold. You're only going to be more bold, really, if you're arrogant or you do it out of love. And, of course, we don't want to do it out of arrogance. We do it out of love. At the risk of someone rejecting us. And that's what Jesus did, right? Talk about it doesn't get any more bold than him coming, living, and dying, right? He was so bold that that's why they killed him. But he did it out of love. And the cool thing was, since coming back, I'll have these moments where people's... Um, Faces and names will just pop into my head. And as a pastor, you'll have people that call you and go, hey, can we get together? The beauty is since I've come back is that I've become more bold in saying, I'm just calling people up. Hey, let's get together. Now, if you think I'm freaked out when someone calls me, hey, let's get together and talk. Imagine how they feel when the pastor of a church says, hey, let's get together. <gasps> what does that mean? But I want to do it out of love. 
And sometimes it's just to get together, just say, hey, this is how much you mean to me. I'm so excited about this. And sometimes the Lord just put them on my heart. And, I'll, and I've gotten together with some of them and go, I really don't know why I'm here. But the Lord put you on my heart, and so let's just get together and see where we go. Or I've had other friends that I've gotten together with, and I've said, you know what? Like, he's put me on your heart, and I think you've drifted. I think you've drifted, and you've, these other things that seem so important really aren't that important. Why in the world would I do something like that? I've got nothing to gain but their judgment and their anger and maybe even their rejection. Not to mention the possibility of them going to other people going, who's this arrogant guy, dude? He's such a whatever. So why do something like that? Out of love. We could talk about putting the interest of others above yourself, but what does it really look like? It looks like that to the point where you'll put rejection out there because you love them that much. So you better be sure when you sit with them that you're doing it out of love. You could even say, hey, I may be wrong, but I want to share this. Um, in that boldness, um, I've had a couple people at church, and, and they'll say, you know what, I have some friends, and man, I just love them, and I just wish they were here with us. And I'm like, why don't you go tell them that? Whoa, 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 I don't want to be like that weird church person that says, hey, you need to come to church. And I was like, yeah, if you say that, then you are a weird person. Don't do that. Don't go and say, you need to be in church, because that's, that's an agenda. That's loving with an agenda. But it's a whole different thing when I've heard a few people. Um, uh, I heard this, this one girl say, you know what, I just really love this family. And because I asked him, I said, are they coming to branches now? What's the story? She goes, I don't really know. And you can kind of tell, like, she didn't want to ask the question. She didn't want to ask him, oh, are you, are you good? Did you want to hang out with us? Are you part of it? What's going Because, you know, you don't want to ask those questions because you don't know where it'll go. And I said, why don't you talk to them and just tell them, hey, you know what? I just really like you. Because I said that. I said, do you, well, actually, I asked the question before that because I didn't know if, you know, do you really like them? I said, do, why do you, because of this and this and this. And I go, have you told them that? Well, no. Why? <laughs> why not? Why wouldn't you tell them that? Why wait? Um, and I actually don't know if they did or not. I don't know if they did. But think of the people that you thought, oh, I really, I love them. I'd love to do this with them. I think they'd really, but you don't say anything because why would you not? Let's look at John 1, 14. This will be the last scripture that we look at this morning. This is the word, talking about Jesus. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Dwelling, that word is, is, the, is another word for setting up camp, basically. So like when they would set up the huge, it was a tent, it's called the tabernacle, but this huge tent that they would set up in the wilderness when the Israelites uh, were traveling, um, that was the same word they used, to dwell. So it was setting up camp, setting up a tent. So the word became flesh and set up a tent among us and lived among us. And then John, the apostle, said, we have seen his glory. He's seen God. He's seen his love. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And this Jesus, this word, was full of grace and truth. And I already shared with you my personal experience with that grace, just that, I mean, when we get to heaven, you're going to look around and go, whoa, I did not expect all these people to be here. Especially that guy, and that, and my brother, and 
course, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to be, what am I doing here? I mean, that's how much he loves us, that he did all the work. It's not what we do, it's what he did. All we have to do is accept that gift, that grace. Father, forgive me for my debts as I forgive my debtors. I mean, there's, there's, there's one particular person in my family, and it's been like this battle for so long, and during that, with God's grace and knowing how much I was forgiven, it was like, it's one thing to read the scripture before, hey, if you're forgiven, you better forgive, I didn't have to try. It still hurts. I still remember, but I don't need to punish him anymore. It's just, oh. So Jesus, full of grace and truth. I mean, if there's anyone that is more pursuing, more bold, and more in your face than Jesus, let me know who it is. Because that is the model of grace and truth. And we are set free to do that. And every conversation I've had, every instance has been worth it. Every interaction that I've been able to be a part of in this has been amazing. I had, um, uh, in, in June, when things started beginning to get crazy, um, there was the beginning of that stripping, that uh, sanding down to what really matters, to love God and love others. And I... I um, uh, George and Cheryl Hulse are some of our best friends, and he's a pastor, and, and we've walked with each other for a long time, but we've gotten so busy that we don't hang out enough. And you know how you say that, and then you just go, yeah, we should, and then you don't do anything about it? And through this process, like, I sat them down, <laughs> and I said, you guys are this important to us, and so we are going to bug you so that we can hang out because it matters to us. Like, I don't want to live too much more of this life and look back with any regrets that, oh, I should have hung out more with you guys because you breathe so much life into us. We've gone through so much. It was, it's been beautiful. Um, who is that for you? Who is that where you're like, you know what, I need, I, I want, tell them, even if they don't want to hang out with you. You're telling them. Um, when people get in the hospital, when people are uh, losing their jobs, when people are getting divorced, when people are dealing with persecution, when someone just blows it, you know what I mean. I don't know which person just popped in your mind when I said that, but they just made a mistake, like a gargantuan mistake. You don't even have to tell them they made a mistake because they know they made a mistake. And you're like, but I want to be there for them, but I don't know how to do it. So you don't do anything. Show up and shut up. Show up. And you're like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm gonna, you're afraid because you're going to mess it up. You know what? Then show up and shut up. Because the only way you can mess it up is by just talking a lot and just saying a bunch of stuff because you don't know what to say. Just show up. I mean, I can't tell you how much of a blessing that was in our life to just see people showing up. I mean, I would get these pictures of people just showing up at our house to like rip up the carpet and do stuff. And it was like, and I'd get the pictures, and those people never even told me. But I'd see this picture, and they just showed up. Or the people that showed up uh, by a text or by email, or, or the people that said, look, I'll come when you want me to. I had a friend in Texas that said, you say the moment, and I will fly out there. I know what you're going through, I, and I actually, I know what you're going through, but I don't know what you're going through, but I want to be there for you. And if you don't want to call me back or text me, that's good also. Like, full permission. Do what you want to do. 
but I'll be there for you if you want me to. I will fly out today. Like, think of the people in your life where you just need to show up. And maybe you need to show up because things are going great for them. But you need to say, hey, man, I'm concerned for you. I could be wrong, but these are my concerns. Or maybe it's someone that you're like, I really want them to know this grace and truth that I know through the Lord, but I don't want to be the evangelist person. I don't want to be all weird. Put their interest above your own and just show up in their life and just say, man, I just want to tell you that you're important to me. And this is a huge part of my life. And if any point you want to like ask questions or if you want to go on a women's retreat with us or if you want to, like I'm going to find excuses because I want you to have this. So give me permission to be weird, but I only do it because I care about you. I got no separate agenda. I just like you and I want to do life with you. And this is a big part of our life and it's, I've been changed. I mean, I, I look at Raquel and when she got baptized last week, she's like, it's on. Like she was like, whoa. And everyone else, you know, that's been in church for a while was like, whoa, hey, calm down, you know, because they've lost that fire. And she's like, I just want my kids and my friends. I want them to know what God has done in my life. Like everything that I've gone through and that he's forgiven me in this, I, everything around is brighter and I want that for them. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Now, if we're supposed to have this attitude in us, which was in Jesus, then let's close with this. Let's read this. I'll read it. But you put yourself in the place of the word. You put yourself in the place of the one and only son. You, me, we are flesh, and we have made our dwelling among others. We have camped in with others. We have seen God's glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And now we can be full of grace and truth. And when I say that we should do this, I mean like in the next 60 seconds. Let's face it, you all brought your phones because we bring our phones. You got to keep track of whatever sports are going on. You got to keep track of Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. If you have a phone, grab it right now, please. No, seriously, if you have a phone, grab it right now. If you don't know how to text, you can walk outside and call them. If you have a flip phone, It'll take you too long to text. You don't even have to write a lot. I want to invite the worship team up. They're going to come up and get in place while we're doing this. So you can write them in text. Because I want you to do something right now. If you did not bring your phone, because Justin didn't bring his phone, because we were talking about it. Then when you leave here, make that the first thing you do, to call them. Um, if some of you are super old school and you write letters, does anybody only write letters? That's, not, that's actually glorious, so you're not going to be made fun of. It's actually amazing. Anybody? No? All right, well, we need to find some of those amazing people, and you need to invite them here so that we have some of them here. But write a letter if you have to, postcard, email, go to their house, and be full of grace and truth. Like, don't waste another second, because you may not have it. And it's not like you're going to get, <laughs> it, and it, it comes up to the regrets that you'd have. And I just, I remember sitting in that hospital room and the joy going, whew, 
It's halftime, and I get the chance to make these adjustments. What a gift. You have that gift today. You have that opportunity. So if you could stand with me. Um, the offering's going to go by. If you filled out a connection card, drop it in. Um, the offering, if you are visiting us, it's really for people at branches because they say it's convenient for them uh, to give to the mission and what we're trying to do. And then we've been doing this thing at the end of worship where you can come and be prayed for over here. So those who um, are set aside to pray over people today, we're going to start doing it during this worship set. What we mean by that is we're going to do it now instead of waiting until everything's done. So we're all standing, so if you want to, you can slide out the side, you can come down the aisle if you want someone to pray over you. Um, they're not counselors, they're just to pray, uh, either pray over you or pray for healing, um, whatever it is. You can say unspoken or you can give them details, whatever it is. But if those people that are going to be praying could go over there, that would be fantastic. So let me pray for us. Father God, I ask, I beg, and I plead that you would give everyone here and our women um, who are up in Yosemite. I ask that you would give us all the understanding of your grace and your truth to us. To be that loved, to be that unconditionally accepted. Father, make us like a child. And then show us, Lord, how to have the same attitude, to be the same. And Lord, we know we're going to stumble and trip in it, and, uh, but we want to do it anyways, Lord. We don't want to have any regrets. We don't want to know that we could have blessed somebody, and we held back. So Lord, we are afraid. Help us to be unafraid. Give us the courage that comes from knowing you. And may your perfect love cast out. We ask this in the name of Jesus.